So we sort of enter into our uh, second of the conversations that we're going to be uh, dealing with all through this season of Lent that Jesus has. Um, in this case, we're thinking, last week we, we saw Jesus having the conversation with Satan, and we sort of almost picked up from, from there, it's almost like the, the second temptation where Satan says, throw yourself down and angels will catch you. Um, because that would definitely be a sign that would get people's attention, would get people, um, you know, attracted to whatever work Jesus was going to do. This would be an amazing sign. Jesus, of course, says, not the Lord your God to the test. Also, that's not sort of the sign that, that Jesus is always wanting for Israel. In fact, um, really right before, right before this passage, um, we're dealing with signs that, you know, Jesus is, or at least Jesus is dealing with the fallout of signs, right, before Nicodemus comes to him in the dark anyway. The first was, the first sign that Jesus did um, in John's Gospel, the wedding of Cain in Galilee, as he turned uh, water into wine and mass quantities and kept the party going. Um, and the second is he went over through uh, the tables of the temple and that Jesus continues, it says, to do signs. And now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that Jesus was doing. But Jesus did not entrust himself to them. In fact, actually, that word believe is the same word. And so really, it's they believed in Jesus, but Jesus didn't believe in them. Because he knew it was in the heart of man. This is one of those, this is one of those times um, that, the, that the new translations of the Bible sort of fall flat. It's lots of times good to, to throw in people, what it means people, and um, but sometimes you sort of you sort of miss it. This is one of those instances that we even miss a little bit in our gospel reading. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to man. Because he knew all men, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he knew what was in man, and now there was a man. His name was Nicodemus. And so Nicodemus sort of is the epitome of all that, that um, Jesus is talking about in this case, what John is talking about, as far as who knew was in the heart of man. There wasn't. Nicodemus is our case study. In fact, Nicodemus isn't just our case study. Nicodemus sort of is our best hope, right? He is, he is a chief Pharisee. If you are just an ordinary, everyday Jew, um, member of Israel, who is more in line to receive heaven than Nicodemus? can't think of too many people, right? He's, he's right up there. there was And he comes by night. And this is our, sort of our first hint that there's going to be a shift also. Or at least our next hint, right? That there's going to be a shift also. He's coming by night, which is in dark. In darkness, in John's Gospel, there's the world that's in dark, and the 
And so Nicodemus coming in dark sort of is straddling that shadow of being in the world and trying to, to be that, that ruler of Israel. And he comes understanding and knowing, indeed, that something is different in Jesus. He comes with questions. But Jesus right, pushes him a little bit. We'll see, he pushes him a lot more as the leader of Israel than he'll push the woman at the well next week. But the woman at the well next week gets a little bit more, more grace than, than Nicodemus, but Nicodemus still gets plenty. Jesus says, as he responds, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do. No one can do these signs. Remember, in, in, in John's Gospel, signs basically are all those things wrapped up in Jesus' healings, casting out demons, all that, all that, all those various things are signs. They point to who Christ is. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. And Jesus said to truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is astonished. In fact, Nicodemus might laugh um, and say, how can this be? You know, could he enter into a second time to his mother's room and be born? And Jesus says, well, truly I say to you, you need to be born of the Spirit and of water. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do not be marveled that I say you must be born again. In fact, um, we, read, we read today the passage from, from Abram getting his initial call uh, by God and sort of the follow-up from, from Paul's passage in Romans. But the, the better passage of Abraham might be Abraham, it might be Genesis 18, when Sarah finds out that you know she hears that she's going to be pregnant and she laughs. Can anyone um, go into his room second time? There's, there's a room that is filled, right? That's sort of funny. And Jesus is sort of almost making this exact sort of comparison. Yes, you might be old, but you can be born anew. You can re rebirth by water and the Spirit. Something happens in, in almost like um, we read in the prologue. We read the Bible sort of in order and didn't just sort of skip around all through it, right? There it says, it says about the light was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but all two gifts who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so we see even from the beginning, John's sort of setting this up of that there's, there's a new birth that takes place. A birth not where you're reborn in your mother's womb, not born at all, not born an Israelite, not born under the covenant of Moses or a child of Abraham, not born because of your lineage or because of who your parents were, or because of where you were born at, but born because of God. So this is very similar to everything we read when people 
out to, to see John the Baptist, right? He said, don't, don't take comfort that you're a child of Abraham. God can raise up children of Abraham out of these stones. You need to be baptized. You need to be reborn. You need to be renewed. And this is the same thing that Jesus begins to say to Nicodemus. It's not enough that you're a Pharisee. It's not enough that you know the law. You need something more. You need something more. Something greater. To come into the light. To leave the darkness. And come into the light. And then Nicodemus continues uh, on with half of these things. Be Jesus. Are you a teacher of Israel? And if you don't understand these things, truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen. But you do not receive our testimony. And here Jesus starts to starts to um, move a little, he moves away from you to y'all. We miss it in English a little bit, but he moves from you to y'all. Y'all don't understand. Y'all don't know about heavenly things. Y'all aren't paying attention. All you and all your ilk are missing the boat about what the things of God are. And speaking of signs, he says, remember the sign when Moses put up the snake in the wilderness and everybody who stared at it got healed? Well, here's a sign for you. The Son of Man must be. Here, obviously, Jesus is referring to the cross, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then we have the famous passage that's held up in all your football games. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, to the end that all that he did and shall perish and have everlasting life. We often miss the next part, which is for God did not send his Son to the world to condemn them. But in order that the world might be saved through him. For the light was coming into the world to bring darkness. And we are to bring light to, to remove darkness. And this is this is uh, you know a, a big shift then and even and even today in, in various circles where the world is evil and heaven is inherently good. And, and everything that Jesus, uh, of course, is talking about is, is Jesus comes to bring heaven to the world in order that you can live a new transformed life here in heaven on earth. And this is the rebirth that Jesus, of course, is talking about. That the life has come into the world. And that all who choose to believe and, and leave behind the darkness of the world, which is the, the, the power components of the world. Um, the pain of the world. The things that, that trample down the oppressed in the world. Um, those who um, choose to live in darkness because darkness and fear, speaking of what uh, Linda talked about earlier, fear, tramples down, stays in the darkness, light shines brightly upon that. Jesus has come to bring heaven into the world, to bring forth the grace and glory of who God is. We 
miss that in just sort of throwing, for God so loved the world that every, you know, if they believe in Jesus, they'll be saved. Otherwise, you know the alternative. To the corner covered with you, or hell, whichever you want to call it, right? It's the same type of thing, but there's this punishment aspect. Jesus isn't talking about punishment. He's talking about a grace that's extended to the world. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but um, just a little bit ahead of ourselves, because the story of the woman's well is so large anyway that we can we don't have time to cover the whole thing in one Sunday. And so when we when we get to the woman of the well next week, um, who is who is a Samaritan outcast woman, about the, the lowest of the low of the low you can get. Um, and we have Nicodemus today who is a Pharisee, male, Jew, about as high as you can get as far as people. The person who's the reader, you and I, likely are falling someplace in between. So when God, when Jesus, you know, th this is presented, that, that, that Christ is coming to save the world, if he's coming in to save Nicodemus, eh, we expect him to save Nicodemus. But if he comes to save the woman at the well, uh, if he comes to save the woman at the well, he comes to save Nicodemus, he comes to save everybody. Right? That's the world. All of us. Because as far as things go, that's sort of where, where we lie. There's this all-encompassing thing next, next week when, when it says Jesus, actually it doesn't say this, we skip that line. But so before it says, and Jesus had to pass through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. No, he didn't. He didn't, he didn't have to do that at all. But any more than you had to go through um, the dark alley to get to, you know, wherever you should go. You can go around the block, right? You don't have to go that way. Or you don't even, it doesn't, not even always direct. Lots of, lots of people, um, Jews, go around in order not to go through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. Why would you go through Samaria? Why would you go that way? If I could not go on I-285, I would not go on I-285. I'm going to tell you, right now, I will go over the little back ways um, to get someplace. You do not have to go that way. But it says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Because he had to have that encounter. Because the world, the entire world, needs the message of grace and hope and salvation. And that's what, where we are today with Nicodemus in this conversation. This isn't a conversation just to the religious elite. This is a conversation to everyone, to all. That the world needs the light. And the light is coming to the world. And that through that light, and through that spirit, and through that hope, our life can be transformed. This isn't about, again, like we talked about last week, this isn't about uh, life after death. This is about life after life. Right? Is there life before death? This is the life that we're talking about. A new, transformed life. 
where the light shines brightly in us and through us, that the world might be transformed. The world might know the grace 